This is out of bounds. This is out of bounds. Your weekly spot for the wild, weird, and wacky in the sports world. That's me, O'Brien. I'm John Alba. You're waving side to side. You good? I am. I am. I'm, I'm trying to make sure that the allergies aren't getting to me too much, but oh. as we'll see with our uh, opening toast tonight, I'm taking plenty of preventative steps. We are ready to go take that pollen. But I feel like there's very minimal seasonal change where you are. Uh, no. Ooh, no, 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 no. I, I would say it's pollen year-round. Uh, but no, I would say that between March and May is where we get the bulk of our pollen, and while we're not in the midst of the green everywhere season here in florida um evidently we got some sort of ragweed or something because i popped up with it this morning and so um you know i've been very fortunate john because ever since my tonsillectomy uh, i haven't had any allergies like everybody else was in pain through the month of april down here i was chilling and uh yeah so you know just finally got to me i bragged too much at jag's rookie camp last week i guess what goes around comes around we welcome you all to another edition of out of bounds here on know your news and again folks if you are watching us live hit us with your super chats we appreciate all chats but especially super chats you can do that by commenting on youtube of course and just get your chat right in there if you're watching there or you go to kynchat.com you leave us a chat and we'll read it on air as well i know accessibility wise youtube is often the easiest for those of you who are tuning in uh anything new this week for you mia i i know we are in post draft season and I don't know. I feel like the summertime, it's kind of that weird time where we're it is the like lame duck week. Like Mm -hmm. this is the lame duck week. Yeah. Uh, We get OTAs starting next week. um, So that at least we'll we'll finally see NFL players on the field, which will be nice. And then obviously the NBA conference finals and the Stanley Cup conference finals, which we're going to dive into here on Out of Bounds tonight. Um, So but it's that weird, like in between, like Lakers and Nuggets isn't until Tuesday. So outside of baseball, like we're kind of just hanging out. So uh, between that and then uh, got the interns starting uh, the last two mm. weeks. And so a lot of onboarding, John. You and I did a lot of internships mm-hmm. growing up. I, I never thought I'd see the day that I myself had to coordinate mm-hmm. the interns. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, in my best efforts to create a meaningful experience like the ones that we were lucky enough to have, uh, you know, I'm I'm realizing how much work it is to like get all this set up and yeah, you got to let them fly and do their thing. But also, I'm like, my God, I spent half my day coordinating. Got to corral them, too. Well, one way that we're going to corral you here on Out of Bounds is by hitting you with our opening toast. And Which I do appreciate all of our friends on YouTube uh, who want sweet tea. But uh, I, I'm not going to go in the sweet tea got. direction. Uh, I'm actually going in the OJ direction so that I'm prepared uh, for fighting whatever pollen or whatever it is that got into my throat. See, I'll homage to the south with a little old smoky here with a little asmr first pop an a and uh yeah to the down week i guess mm-hmm. the, the off week the weird middle the 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 well, let's call it the cream and the oreo sandwich that is the month of may I, sandwich I in, in between ota's memorial day weekend kentucky derby it's the nice little hey take a deep breath summer's almost here when I was in Nashville a few weeks ago, I saw in the airport an old smoky uh, brand that was mango habanero whiskey. Ooh. I have no idea how that would taste. I love mango habanero, but I have no idea how that would taste. I know this this went down real easy. You could even say 
that when I'm selecting my whiskey Mia, that it's a process, ah. but it's not the process. I have one question for you here. Let me tee it up. Philadelphia 76ers suffered a brutal 112-88 loss yesterday to the Boston Celtics. Celtics are headed to the conference finals once again. They got the Miami Heat more on that in just a minute. Philly got outscored 33-10 to in the third quarter with the association's most valuable player, Joel Embiid, and James Harden combining for 24 total points in this game. Harden, rumored to be interested in greener pastures, perhaps a return to Houston, maybe even Phoenix being thrown out there. Things not looking great, Mia. So my lone question, do you trust the process? I don't. And it was always a gamble to begin with. I mean, when you consider that all three of the pillars of the process uh, in Philadelphia were all coming off significant injuries in college. None of them have played a full season in college between Joel Embiid, Markel Fultz, and Ben Simmons. But they went ahead and did it anyway. And they said it's going to take a couple years to get them all healthy, all playing together. And then it never quite happened. So then they tried to tinker with it. They got Jimmy Butler in there for a little bit. Ben Simmons could shoot back then. And then Ben Simmons couldn't shoot. They let Jimmy Butler go. We're going to band-aid this with James Harden. But as Joel Embiid said last night, John, he and James Harden cannot do it all alone. And while if I'm Tobias Harris or Tyrese Maxey, a guy that the 76ers drafted, um, I'd feel a little bit slighted. Now, I think part of why Maxie's role is the way it is is because of Doc Rivers and the way that he operates. Um, I, I think he favors, you know, the veterans. Ha- like, he wants to coach. He's not going to be developing. He's not going to be, hey, let's get all together and sing Kumbaya. I love Phil Jackson. That's just not Doc. He's, he's out playing golf most of the time. And so I think you're seeing the fruits of that. What I am curious about, and I'm realizing now as I say this in real time, John, we never even touched on this on my daily program on 1010XL. Um, Monty Williams, fired by the Phoenix Suns. I was outraged. I mean, even more than Budenholzer, because when he was let go in Milwaukee two weeks ago, at least you're like, all right, like you can't allow what happened between the Bucks and the Heat to happen when you have Giannis Antetokounmpo on your team and you won a world title two years ago. Um, but Monty Williams, I mean, yes, he hasn't won a title. So Matt Ishbia can argue that he hasn't gotten Phoenix over the hump. But in reality, you and I both know. He was like, go yesterday because Kevin Durant's friend is going to be hired as the head coach of the yeah. Phoenix Suns. So that is where I look at the Philadelphia 76ers. And that may be the only route they have left because other than that, what other road is left to travel on this process? No. So on, on the Suns front, look what, and I like Kevin Durant a lot. I've always been a big Kevin Durant fan. But look at the change that happened in Brooklyn where essentially he forced Kenny Atkinson out there. And then they brought in Steve Nash. That didn't work out. Set them back to where they are right now. Same thing going on in Phoenix. I think the rumor of James Harden wanting to go to Phoenix to reunite with Kevin Durant is just laughable. I mean, it is truly laughable. And I imagine Aiden will not be there in Phoenix. But on this Philadelphia front, I'll post two things. Number one, I think deep down, this is just Doc Rivers' way of secretly getting himself back to the Orlando Magic 20-plus years later. So that he's prepared for Bronny James in two years, your bull prediction from a a week ago? The Magic have trusted the process. 
And now the magic are starting to knock, and people are like, oh, there might be there might be some foundation here. I'm just kidding. That's not going to happen. The thing that stands out to me most about the process, Mia, is that the biggest, biggest, biggest failure in the process was that it fostered and welcomed a culture of losing. And that is the biggest problem with the process. There's no nece- there's no issue necessarily with being patient in a rebuild. But we are nine years into this thing. And I understand the same people at the top aren't necessarily there anymore. But you can no longer buy into that moniker. We are now at the point where the 76ers should have won a championship. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. You might have even argued that they should have won a few championships by now. And they haven't. We, we, we will give them the Kawhi buzzer beater. That the was, that was, that that was, was probably their best chance. That was probably their best chance. That was that wonky. I'll give them that. But. They still lost four games in that series. It wasn't just one game they lost in that thing, right? At the end of the day, I think that the whole trust the process thing does mediate and enable this culture of losing. And it's not to say that the Sixers have lost a lot because they are a successful regular season franchise. But at the end of the day, you are judged by how many championships you win. And they have won zero. And Joel Embiid is an all-time great player. He is. He's a fantastic NBA big man, but he will be defined by that. And I do want to say real quick, too, to your point that you said about his press conference, the quote sounds really bad out of context. In context, it's not as bad. Uh, He was saying he was asked about Harden potentially being gone. And he said, hey, look, whether it's just me, it can't be all on me. Whether it's just me and James, it can't be on us. It has to be on all of us. So in context, it doesn't sound quite as bad. Out of context, it sounds horrible, and you need to always be conscious of that as a player. Right. Two things, uh, because, yes, the Twitter trolls, they love to run with those things. Um, number one, as you said all this, what, what spoke to me was they got away from the process when they stopped developing players. And while I hinted at Doc Rivers not being necessarily the developer of young talent, he obviously would rather coach guys that are established or on the cusp of being established. Um I think that this stems further back. I think this is when they said, all right, Ben Simmons stinks. We're just going to bring in James Harden and a Band-Aid fix. And I think inherently that is when the process truly ended. Um, As outside of Tyrese Maxey, what player have they really developed, so to speak, in the last five years of the process? None. And they shipped Markel Fultz out of town, and here we are. So that's number one. Number two, I'm going to pose this question to you, and I'm really excited to see which way you take it because we talked about this on primetime today. Give me another player. Hypothetical. Let's do close to home. Trevor Lawrence. Yep. Quarterback of a team that is parentally bad. You had to get that one in, didn't we? Well, right, right. No, no, no. Because it's a good example. I could give you another example, too, but it makes more sense here. A, a, a quarterback of a team that is perennially at the bottom of the cellar. Cellar dwellers. If he wins an MVP... In the next few years, and the Jags are getting 10, 11 wins a year, but they never actually make the conference title game or the Super Bowl. Would people be content in Jacksonville with that? Because you can make the comparison that because Philly was so bad for so long, they were just yeah, content but, with having but a competitor. The Philadelphia fan base is not comparable to the Jacksonville fan base. And no, I mean, no, not at all. But, I, but, but, but the notion remains. But I, think, I think that is an element in this story that we're telling here is that Philadelphia sports fans have extremely high expectations year in and year out. 
And what I think has been worse for Philly fans recently, Mia, has been all their teams have been good enough to get close, but not been able to actually win. Hey, the Eagles all. did. The Eagles Respect in 2018. Dougie in 2018, they did, which was five years ago now. And I understand, like, that's great for them after their long layoff. But in a society where it's, what have you done for me lately? That five years ago is an eternity ago. And that's the only team that was able to actually break through here. So I think that the problem with that process is, like you said, you fail to develop and you could say, oh, well, they've moved past it. But then they're leaning on it and, and leaning well back. Giannis, we heard his quote where he said, like, oh, you know, what is failure? What is failure? Right. And Bede tried to say the same exact thing. But here's the difference. Giannis won a title a couple of years ago. Joel Embiid didn't. So, Last yeah. fly forever. So if you didn't win that championship, you don't reserve the right to be like, well, you know, here we are in year nine of this. And, well, I'm not going to call it a failure because it's just part of that process. No, the process is dead. The process is done. It's over with. And this is a failure. And now the 76ers upper brass has to determine, do we move forward and try one more time with the majority of this group that we have? Or do we try to redesign, rebuild, and reclaim? You, you mentioned go. five years ago feeling like an eternity ago. You know what also feels like an eternity ago? The, the NBA bubble. bubble. A lot of people gave the bubble crap. They called it a Mickey Mouse tournament. They said that the Lakers weren't true champions. However, the conference finals this year are the Denver Nuggets and the Los Angeles Lakers, Lakers in the West, the Boston Celtics, and Miami Heat in the East. The same as the bubble three years ago. John, is this a coincidence? Or was the bubble onto something and these four teams have been four of the perennial contenders over the last five years? Well, there's been a lot of adjustments made for each of these teams in their own right. I, I have to give a lot of credit to... I'll, I'll give, I'll give, first off, I'll, I'll go individually here. The Miami Heat, I mean, Eric Spolestro's one of the greatest coaches of all time. He he has mm -hmm. earned that distinction where he seven of the lived. last thirteen Eastern Conference Finals. That's he the is, biggest stat no one's talking about in the NBA. I mean, truly, and this is Pat Riley's successor, and he has marked out. I, and I feel like he's done it very quietly too. No one talks about it. No right, one. Right. So I give him Meanwhile, a lot of credit I there. Mean, not to go, not to go on a side tangent, but like, how many coaches have coached the Lakers since LeBron? LeBron yeah, got a there lot, a lot in twenty twenty. Right. Uh, how many have coached them since the Lakers won a championship in 2020? There's been several. So, yeah, um, I think that the consistency is super admirable. The Lakers started this year 2-10, and 10, okay? And they were able to retool. So we're not even talking about the same team that won a championship a few years ago. The Nuggets have been one of those teams that have kind of rolled with the punches and added as necessary. And I, I appreciate those efforts and it feels like they're so close. They've always been so close the past few years. And then the Celtics, I mean, they just, they've got that core that has just been so rock solid. So, you know, the, the bubble experience itself, I think was at the time, one of the most impressive things that we've ever seen in sports for these teams to come back at a high level. I know that there's a lot of people who are like, well, it, it happened, no pun intended here, in a bubble. It happened in a small uh, sample size. But I could not disagree anymore because to 
be in full season mode, marching towards the postseason, then having to shut your body down for months and gear right back up for playoff level basketball. I think that prepared these teams and these players for longevity more than we'll ever give credit for Mia. Yes. I couldn't agree with all of that more. I think though that two of those teams you alluded to, um, because we're always going to talk about the Lakers and the Celtics. Unfortunately, it's kind of like the Cowboys in the national football league, even when they're not competitive, they're going to be talked about simply because of the name brand recognition and the previous titles, Um, which is funny because the Miami heat have won how many NBA championships in the 21st century yet. As we talked about, no one talks about Eric Spolstra. No one wants to talk about Jimmy Butler outside of his coffee company. And whenever he, you know, pops off and drops 50 in a playoff game and all of a sudden we go, Oh, that's right. Miami and Jimmy they're, they're here. They've been consistently one of the bigger contenders in the NBA playoffs the last three to four years since he got down there. And even before he got there, in the lull, when it was Kyle Lowry and some other cast of characters, obviously Tyler Hero was a huge asset to them. Um, You go back to when it was just the BAM show, when it was BAM out of bio trying to run things down there. Eric Spolstra is a lot like a Bill Belichick or a Mike Vrabel, where he he may not win pretty, but he's going to find a way to win a few. And Mm -hmm. so I think, if anything, this gives flowers and credence to Miami that they are a contender. And moreover, I think it does prove that Denver was not a blip on the radar in the bubble. I think those are the two teams that people question. And now I understand Nikola Jokic is the the MVP, especially after Uh, everything we just said about Embiid. You need a superstar, right? Correct. But people always, even though the Nuggets were the one seed in the West, people still, they sleep on the Nuggets. Because once Jamal Murray went down with the torn ACL a couple seasons ago, everyone forgot that mm-hmm. they had that incredible run in the bubble. Everyone forgets about that seven-game series against the Utah Jazz, which is arguably amazing. one of the best series we've seen in NBA playoffs history of late. And so I think, if anything, I am hoping and praying the Nuggets are competitive because I know the Heat will be. I'm not worried with Jimmy and with Eric Spolstra. But I'm hoping and praying that they can be competitive because I think it will prove that, yes, they actually built a contender in Denver. That was not the process gone wrong. Now, if it goes the other way and LeBron carries these retooled Lakers back to the promised land again. Will it be over the Celtics, though? Well, well I'm saying just getting People are just going to it because then it's going to be, well, oh, it's showtime. Just getting them there in the first place. But it'd be pretty crazy if he beat his old team, too, in the finals. I mean, that's a storyline. Again, the, in for a second itself. time in, three, in four seasons. Right. So I, uh, I'm very excited about these two conference finals because I think there are a multitude of storylines that we can whore out here on this show for weeks to come that we can get out of these series, number one. That's how I'm thinking. But number two, I think they will deliver quality action. But I could also see, and I hope I'm wrong, I really do, I could see the Nuggets smoking the Lakers. And I hope I'm wrong on that. How would you feel? And we're going to talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs in a little bit. How would you feel about a Denver Miami title game? I mean, is it the most? Is that good for the NBA? Is it the most blockbuster? No, but in terms of quality of play, it might be our best option. So I really. Nice team versus the best team all year. And you got to give a lot of credit to Jason Tatum, took so much flack in game six of the Eastern Conference semis, and he comes out and has an all-time great playoff game when it mattered most, 51 points. Again, I think we've talked about Jason Tatum before on the show. 
where it's like he's kind of right outside that Mount Rushmore of current NBA players. Mm-hmm. He's knocking on it. Performances like that, you throw up another one of those in these playoffs, you're immortal for life. As in far the as same I- vein, Jamal Murray put up a couple of those performances, mm-hmm. and it seems like outside of the niche NBA fan, people have forgotten. And granted, part of that was because he missed so much time with the leg injury, but that's where I look at Jason Tatum and – you got to put a couple together because look at Devin Booker. Devin Booker has put up epic performances in the regular and postseason. And I think people forget that he probably is a top five player right now because his team hasn't performed when it mattered most. Man, you bring up those sons. Oh, I I, I just don't know because I've, I've, I've watched the Nets for a very long time and I've seen the Nets now twice go all in to win it all and come up short and the Suns are dangerously close to the sun in that flying towards the sun. And, and what's sad is a couple of years ago when they lost to the bucks, that was the team that was really developed and put together and put properly in that position only for it to fall apart, man, just so tough. But there are just some powerhouses in the NBA, like the golden state warriors. Look at that picture right there. Those are winners, right, Mia? Four players for four championships. Well, we know LeBron did away with the Golden State Warriors this season. There's been a lot of chatter that this could be the end of the Warriors dynasty as we know it. A lot of questions surrounding how they're going to actually return the core of Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green. There's some contract discussions that need to be had. Andre Iguodala just retired. Tremendous career, by the way. If I could give an additional toast to Andre Iguodala. There's a lot of people who are trying to make the case he's a Hall of Famer. I don't think he is, but we're going to have another Hall of Fame discussion on this show. He's a Hall of Excellent, but not quite Hall of Fame level. But is this the end? Have we seen the end of the Golden State Warriors as the powerhouse? And will we get more passive-aggressive celebrations from Steph Curry for years to come? I don't want to believe it's over, but I do. Why do you think so? Because even Steph, when he was dropping 30 in the series against the Lakers, by the end, if they weren't winning it, he was gassed. And you could tell. He looked gassed. Klay Thompson is basically playing on one leg. Draymond Green performed at a very high level in this series, and I think he still has some years left in the tank. I think all three of them do. Mm-hmm. But I look at their supporting cast, and I look at on the picks that they missed. James Wiseman, the number two overall pick. That would have been critical. If you got a LaMelo ball, I understand he's had his issues in Charlotte, but if you had gotten a LaMelo ball, you have your hand-picked successor who you slide right in. If right now, if you don't give Jordan Poole the contract you did because he underperformed, maybe you go out and you get a – not a Kevin Durant because he he was already there. But, like, you go out and you get another superstar. You don't have a guy who scores zero points in 12 minutes playing on a max contract. They traded off D'Angelo Russell, who was amazing for the Lakers in this stretch that has helped them get to where they need to be. Bingo. And so I think that it's not so much the Warriors are cooked because their current, you know, their nucleus is old. 
It's that they never actually fortified the nucleus around them to prepare for the tail end of their career. That's why LeBron is in the Western Conference Finals right now. Because when they retooled that Lakers roster at the trade deadline, they went out and they got young cats who mm-hmm. maybe didn't succeed in the with the team that they were drafted in, whether it was Jared Vanderbilt, Rui Hachimura, all guys that it didn't work out at the first stop, but they were hungry to prove that they mm-hmm. could play at the highest level. And in doing so, you have a team that outside of LeBron and Anthony Davis, I think the average age is like 23 or 24. It's crazy. And that's critical because yeah. look at the Warriors. You just don't see it. And so so then, well, then would the I love to see becomes, them win it all again? Yes, but I just don't, I don't see it. Then the question becomes, is this the greatest dynasty in American sports history? We're talking six championships here. I mean, the Yankees exist in the 1950s and 60s. And I know, but I mean, there's there's a legit title. I mean, we are talking. Uh, Tiger Woods exists. We're talking four NBA championships. We're talking six conference titles. There's there's a legitimate argument to be oh, made. Oh, yeah, there's absolutely I, a legitimate argument. Because Tiger Woods is an individual accomplishment. But, okay. but four championships in the NBA, six conference titles. That is, it, in, a, in a league Here's the thing, Mia. They did it in an era where superstars drive everything. Mm-hmm. And they dominated in that. I'm not going to sit here and say they're the greatest, but I really do think there is a conversation to be said that they dominated the toughest conference in NBA history for a long period of time. Six conference titles, like I said. I think they have to be in that conversation. I, really I think, yeah, that. I think a big part of it is that what will we see over the next few years? If we see, let's say this year, Nikola Jokic, former MVP, rises to the top and he wins. Next year, maybe the 76ers do somehow finally pull it off and Embiid wins it all. And then the following year, Devin Booker finally gets his flower. If we see that parody like we see in the NFL over the next few years, then yes, we will look back and we will say what the Warriors did is incredible because the other argument I would make is Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. I think that there is something to be said about their competition in the AFC and particularly in the AFC East. Uh, uh, Sorry, sorry to the Jets fans out there. Um, A little bit of a cakewalk. Buffalo Bills weren't what they were. Um, Miami Dolphins were eight and eight perennially um, in the mid 2000s when Tom Brady was playing at Foxborough. But that would be the other one that I would compare it to. Um, But no, I I, coming out of the Western Conference. Yes, there is some merit to that for certain. Just saying, just saying, let's keep playing here in the Western Conference, Mia. This one upsets me so much, John. John Morant, the cornerstone of the Memphis Grizzlies, has been suspended from all team activities again after a video. By the way, it's the offseason. There's no team activities going on. Yeah, I know, but still. After a video showing the star guard holding a gun began circulating on social media again. On Saturday, during an Instagram live session, his friend, Devontae Pack, who, by the way, has been banned from all Memphis Grizzly games, um, posted this live video on his own account in which Ja flashed a handgun while driving and singing along to a rap song. The video has since been deleted. Morant's already had to leave the Grizzlies this past season to enter a counseling program after a similar video of him holding a gun while intoxicated at a Denver club when the Grizzlies were in town to play a game surfaced on the internet. John, is Ja going to slowly work himself out of a superstar deal, both financially and in reality of being on an on a NBA hardwood? Yeah, I certainly think so. I certainly think he already has, quite frankly, where he is an elite talent. 
as far as a player goes. He changes the game when he's on the court. He's the guy that you want with the ball when it matters. But even in a culture where winning matters most, which I think a lot of pro sports, that is the case, regardless of the circumstances, I think this incident happening so quickly after the other one, there were people who legitimately thought that people were just like retweeting articles from March when it happened. No, we're talking two months later. This is very dangerous behavior, but it's sad behavior because it is going to cost someone who could be a face of the league an opportunity to be just that. I do think he has put himself in a situation where no team is going to trust him with a mega contract and that he might have to be on a prove yourself superstar contract in order to actually go out and make money. And I, and maybe I'm being misguided in that, but I think that for as hypocritical as some franchises may be, there's nothing that teams love more than making an example out of somebody. And I could totally see that being the case here. So what do you think the ultimate suspension will be? He I think was suspended he suspended eight games previously. I think he could miss the first 15, 20 games of next season, potentially, if they find this to be everything that it looks like it's going to be. Uh, or he'll be suspended for all off-season activities or something of that nature. But I imagine he's going to miss game time, a significant game time. Because my question would be, at what at what moment will it finally settle in? If he misses 15 games, is it really going to hit him then? I don't know. Because, I, I don't. I don't know John Morant. Right. We well, we talked about this on my program today, and like we had a lot of people texting in from a lot of different socioeconomic backgrounds and suggesting that in Memphis and the culture that exists in the city of Memphis, that this is like somehow cool and he's earning respect this way. Um, and listen, I, I'm not going to get into that can of worms. Um, but I, all I know is, as I look at a LeBron James who grew up in a very difficult situation in. Akron, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, a single mother lived in housing projects um, and somehow, some way, not only made it out and has become the greatest, if not one of the greatest players of our time, but also brought a lot of his circle with him mm-hmm. from Akron. I mean, Maverick Carter, who runs all of LeBron's entities, Rich Paul, who became his agent and now represents th- hundreds of mega stars across multiple sports. And so what's so LeBron's wife, Savannah, was his girlfriend in high school. (laughs) And look at them. And so maybe LeBron's the exception and the Jaws are much more what the the risk and the temptation of of money and and whatever. Like Jaws not the first person to deal with. No. And so that's why maybe LeBron's the exception. And so are we judging Jaw unfairly? I don't think we are because I think what he did is wrong, but he's 23. Most 23-year-olds are like John Morant. They're not like LeBron James. Yeah, I mean. At the end of the day, he needs to, I agree with you, he needs to be made an example of because he needs to understand he's in an adult world. But I do think that we need to understand that LeBron is the rarity. Yeah, but I also do think it's a little bit of a generalization to say that most 23-year-olds are like John Morant making mistakes like that. I don't think every 23-year-old is making a mistake as significant as that because it is a significant mistake. It's not something to be played around with. Someone could have gotten hurt himself, someone else. It's a very serious thing that the Grizzlies have to investigate furthermore and and determine here what is his circle like. And yet the socioeconomic thing, that is a huge part of all this. And that's why you got to be careful where 
you take your different approach on addressing this subject because you, you don't know the shoes that somebody has walked in. It's a, it's a very difficult thing to wrap your head around. But as far as the question is concerned, where has this guy potentially played himself out of a lot of money? I don't think that is totally set in stone that that is the case. But I do think in the short term, there's going to be significant hesitance to give him a max contract. Right. Because I mean, if you're the Grizzlies though, you have to be looking around saying we've kind of hedged most of our future on this kid. And here we are. So, I mean, here they like, I, I and here's they're the good. They're really they're, good. Right. But now what if you have if to blame Dylan him? Brooks for this first? What if you have to subtract jaw? Are they still really good? I mean, I don't think they're in a position right now where they're going to subtract jaw. I think he's still has his starting spot and there's no concern there at this moment in time. But if he was trying to get that early extension or anything like that, I mean, that's not happening right now. It's yeah, I mean, if he was in the happen. NFL, his, his guarantees would have been voided already yeah. if he played in the NFL. Now, thankfully, NBA contracts guarantee a whole hell of a lot more money than NFL contracts do to players. But it does also beg the question of when and where will the NBA Players Association step in in a situation like this? Because is he then at some point violating certain codes of conduct that could jeopardize other players in the league based on what a suspension might look like or how a contract situation is affected? I think those are elements at play here in a situation like this. And we would love to hear your thoughts on this. Leave us a super chat over there on YouTube or go to KYNchat.com. We will read your comments on air. Please uh, let us know your thoughts on all this. It's a sad situation all the way around. It really is. I don't like making light of it. But it, I, I can firmly say that I think he has played himself in the short term out of a mega contract. But again, I think that it's a sad situation to all of us. It, has it registered with Ja? Just how sad it is. And maybe maybe that's where maybe that's where the Grizzlies would benefit having a long tenured Andre Iguodala style veteran on their team that they don't really have. And maybe you mean Dylan Brooks wasn't the veteran presence that was needed? Uh, not quite. Not quite. Uh, let's keep moving on here. We talked about some parody in the NBA. Let's talk some parody in the NHL. This has been one hell of a Stanley Cup playoff, as it always is. Stanley Cup playoffs always deliver. And parody is always the theme. The Vegas Golden Knights dropped Karen McDavid, the Edmonton Oilers, last night to return to the Western Conference Finals for the third time in just six seasons of play. The Seattle Kraken. They may make the finals tonight if they beat the Stars in their second season of play. The Florida Panthers, Carolina Hurricanes, they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. This is amazing if you're a fan of parody. So are we going to marvel in the parody? Or let's bring up the talking point, Mia. Is it bad for the league? I mean, maybe it's bad for the ratings, but I love, I mean, when the Vegas Golden Knights went to the Stanley Cup in their second year of existence, I was on that bandwagon. That may have been some of the most hockey I've watched in the last decade. Um, that's where I think the Kraken, it's a cool storyline as well. Um, and yes, while we, we have debated on this program, the Boston Bruins, a legendary regular season only to fall apart in the postseason. The Edmonton Oilers, what is Connor McDavid's legacy? Cause he can never make a Western conference final. And so, yeah, I mean, for the casual fan, it's great. Uh, I'm not so sure for the diehards and for the TV ratings, if it's the best thing. Carolina 
and Florida. Hockey Beautiful. towns. Hey, Miami's eating good right now. They got the heat. You know, Sunrise isn't quite Miami, but it's pretty close. It's if there. Mi- if Miami had a hockey team, it is the Florida Panthers. Uh, that That's just crazy when you think about how much of a hockey state Florida truly has become in the last five-plus years between the Lightning and the Panthers. And the Panthers getting to this point first time since 1996. It's it's amazing. The Carolina Hurricanes are nasty. I mean, they put a beating on the New Jersey Devils, and those fans are vicious there. That's not a place that I would want to play. Environment-wise, especially if Seattle makes it, these games will be awesome to watch. And I think that is great for the promotion of the league in terms of anyone could win it at any time. And they, the league should lean into that. Anyone can win at any time. I think that's great. From a TV perspective. Vegas, Seattle, Florida, and Carolina. Yeah, it's not great. But you know what? Here's, here's the bottom line, Mia. If you want to watch these games, you're going to watch these games. It does not matter to me what the NHL's ratings are. It has no effect on me as a consumer. If I worked for the NHL, maybe that's a different feeling I've got, but I don't. So it, it has no effect on me how these games actually draw. I'm rooting for good games. I'm rooting for entertaining hockey at the end of the day. And the environments will be great. These Seattle games are awesome. Climate Pledge Arena, it's fantastic over there, these games. And, and I hope Seattle does do it. I'm, I'm rooting for Seattle to do this. Plus, let me ask you this. Um, even if this was to be a star-driven league, who would you want to see? in the Stanley cup final. Like who would you say, like, like how people keep saying, like, I want to see LeBron in the final. Like, do we have that notion in hockey? I mean, you do want to see the Connor McDavid's. You do want to see the Austin Matthews. You do want to see those types. I I think the league would love to have Jack Eichel in Mm -hmm. the Stanley cup finals. But at the end of the day, hockey, as we've talked about on this podcast is like the ultimate team sport. And that's what you're hedging your bets on, that these fans care so passionately about the team rather than just the superstars, that it's going to propel some people to have vested interests, regardless of whether one of their teams is actually in the Stanley Cup finals. I'm about this. I think there's a bigger question at play here where if if Seattle makes it to the Western Conference finals here, that's two expansion drafts that like really aided these teams because for Vegas to do what they did and now Seattle to be doing what they did, will some teams and owners petition to change the rules of an expansion draft? Or if you're major league baseball, do you look at that and you say, all right, we could have a team in Raleigh and a team in Nashville. We could have an expansion draft and we'll be able to make those teams instantly competitive. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's certainly something that's on the table for, a league like Major League Baseball. I, I didn't even put the Orlando Dreamers in this rundown, but I've, I'm, you'll, you'll be hearing about them in a little bit on this show because I've got some things to say I on that. I, I got some things to say on that. But uh, they'll, look, they'll keep their eyes on expansion, of course, especially with um, Vegas and what's going on there. And, and as you said, Carolina, too. It is interesting, but I, I think the parody is good at the end of the day. And uh, we'll continue our discussion on the Stanley Cup playoffs next week here on Out of Bounds when we have a little more clarity on the parody. Let's keep moving, Mia. Matty Ice! 
May have been let go by the Colts, but he has not been let go by CBS. He agreed to a deal to call games and do studio work this morning. When the 37-year-old announced the news on Twitter, he said this isn't a retirement announcement. Mm. But if his playing days are done, John, is Matt Ryan, as of this juncture, a Hall of Famer? Before I answer that, I know that Matt Ryan is one of those guys that you like to marvel over. So with his no, I only like to marvel that he has been touched by Jim Irsay. That's really it. <laughs> well, look at that face right there. Look at that. That's a face. I of... feel so bad because that one year in Indy, if anything, that tarnished what could have been a Hall well, of Fame legacy. That's that's the question here. So we're talking a guy who MVP. He was a rookie of the year, a first teamer. I think a four-time Pro Bowler. He's been to the Super Bowl. Didn't win the Super Bowl. Should have won the Super Bowl. If he had won the Super Bowl, maybe, maybe we'd be having a different discussion because here. Flags fly forever. But, um, I think that Matt Ryan, despite all of his accomplishments, and this we are talking about one of the premier big arm quarterbacks in an era of big arm quarterbacks. I think he falls just short. I think he is the hall of very, very good who had sustained excellence and he was excellent for a substantial period of time. But did you ever, even just outside of the MVP year, did you ever look at Matt Ryan and say that is hands down the best quarterback in the league? Never. There you go. No. And that's where, Another part of this and, you know, firsthand seeing this with Tony Baselli last summer and like the five years previous in which he was a finalist, it's hard to get into the NFL Hall of Fame. And that's no knock on the the, the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame or um, Major League Baseball is probably the most difficult. Um, it's well, hard. Harold Baines got in, so. Well, okay. Well, so did Pudge Rodriguez. Um, and he cheated. Pudge is a Hall of Famer. I don't, let's not even go there. Yeah. Or- so point is, the point is, is that it's hard to get into the NFL's hall into into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Very hard. Unless you put up Tom Brady, Peyton Manning unanimous, you know, like numbers. Yeah, if you're a fringe guy, you're going to have to sweat it out for a couple of years. Could I see Matt Ryan eventually down the line in an off year on the Veterans Committee get in? Absolutely. But during a time in which he was playing against guys that are undoubtedly Hall of Famers if not already in, like Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, uh I mean, Tom Brady, I think you could make a case that Eli Manning may be more of a Hall of Famer than Matt Ryan was. I mean, which it's is in, in crazy terms, to think. It, I, I mean, I don't think it's that crazy in terms of accolades. Eli is definitely an, a more accomplished player uh, just off winning alone. But, uh, you know, individually, Matt Ryan had, again, I mean, we're talking about a guy who was a legitimate big arm quarterback in an era of, big arm quarterbacks, but I, I think he's there's like tears, right? When you talk about Hall of Famers, there's the eye tests where you, you know them when you see them. And then there's the guys that you're like, Hmm, let me take a little bit of a deep dive. Yeah. They're, they're probably in. He's in that tier of, I had a lot of good seasons. I had a pretty substantial drop off in the back end of my career and I never won the big one. And I think that alone is just 
that that's enough to say that this guy is not among the elite ever. And again, as, as I said to you before, it's one of those situations where did you ever look at him and say that guy was the best quarterback in the league? Because I think even in his MVP year, 2016, I don't think you could even confidently say that. No, absolutely not. And I think even when you make his case to be a Hall of Famer, there's a lot more buts than there are, yeah, but he did this, this, this. It's, you know, he won an MVP. He went to a Super Bowl. But the last five, six years weren't what you would have hoped they would have been. And the first four or five years, not much either. Do you think sticking around too long really hurts a player in their Hall of Fame resume? We're about to find out with Aaron Rodgers. What? Are you insinuating that Aaron Rodgers? No, no, but no. Aaron Rodgers is a first ballot Hall Hall of Famer, just like Brett Favre before him. But do you view Brett Favre's career differently? Knowing he hung around a little too long and tried to latch on I mean, with both the maybe Jets and a Vikings. little differently, but not not to the point where I'm like, this guy's not a Hall of Famer. I'm saying with a guy like Matt Ryan, if he had Barry Sanders this and he had walked away in his peak, and like Calvin Johnson did, mm-hmm. do we maybe look at Matt Ryan's career more on the micro scale and say, man, for a sustained period in his career, which would have been much shorter, right. he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Does that change the way that you look at a player if they stick around and then lose a whole lot? I mean, some argue that with Baselli because he went to five Pro Bowls and was a three-time All-Pro, but his career was only eight years long. Same with Terrell Davis. So maybe. I mean, unfortunately, when it comes to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, uh, as of right now, it's a lot of old men voting. And so I, I cannot for the life of me as much as I've tried over the last five years, I cannot get into the brain of these 70-year-old men. And so maybe to them, they, they think of the Matt Ryan of 2016. But I will forever think of the Matt Ryan who was clinging on in a cap strap situation in Atlanta and then later trying to be the latest retread to attempt to come back in Indianapolis. Well, it gets us to our final topic before the Beast of the Week, Mia. Here see, we are. You see that man there standing up with his arms in the air? Yeah. It's a very lucky man. We don't know his name. He's an unidentified fan of He the lives Oakland in California, though. Well, he's an unidentified fan of the Oakland A's, and I think there's maybe about maybe a 1,000 or 2,000 of those in existence these days. We probably could survey them all and find out his name. Out. Yeah, we could probably figure like it us, out. Us, the two of us together. The A's, we know they haven't had a whole lot to celebrate this year. But this lucky fan gave us a nice little distraction from their product on the field. The team lost 11-3 to yesterday to the Texas Rangers. But this fan in left center field caught not one, but two home run balls in this game. And he did so in back-to-back innings and without a glove, Mia. What impresses you most about this feat? Um, I would say how hard the ball was hit, but it is an Oakland A player hitting said ball. So, I mean, that's basically... There was one A's homer and there was one Rangers homer, but... And and keep in mind, you got to hit the ball a long way to hit a home run there at the Ratchet Coliseum uh, that I'll refer to it as there in Oakland. That's barely a stadium. I think what's most impressive about this... Think about Zach Hampel. For those of you who aren't familiar with Zach Hampel, he identifies himself as a professional home run catcher. He's not super well-liked in the ranks of Major League Baseball, but you can YouTube him and you'll see. 
and he's done he's caught thousands and thousands and thousands of balls in his life um but not even he could have the formula to do something like this because it's so circumstantial. What are the odds that a home run, think of all the places that a home run can be hit. What are the odds that a home run is hit in the same exact section to the same exact row and inning apart? It is unfathomable. It has likely. Especially knowing how few people are there in the stadium. Well, but that what are would, the odds it goes well, to that well, section? Well, right. So there's so few people, and there's actually I'm going to pop the picture up again. You can see there's like, for whatever reason, there's just fans in this one little section. He had to fight those people off for this ball, and this man. They were trying to give the people what they wanted, John. So they were playing target practice. I think this is truly wild. Think about how many baseball games you've gone to in your life. Have you ever caught a ball, a foul ball, fair ball? Have you ever? No, I nope. pretended to, but really Tom Flash Gordon handed me one and I had him sign it. That's not the same. I That's know, but I pretended I did. I caught a batting practice foul ball one time. Okay. I've been to hundreds of baseball games in my life. I've never come close to catching a home run. This man caught two in consecutive innings. I don't know, Mia. That's like, this is what dreams are made of. In the stadium that Moneyball was born. But there also How was another not be romantic. There was another baseball that got caught by a hockey player at Fenway, though. Yeah, he had just got into his seat. And then uh and he barehanded it. And then the moment that he got down to his seat, uh, he ended up barehanding the catch, which uh, you know, that's 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 pretty it's pretty impressive at the end what of the day. What are the odds, Susan? You can't predict baseball. No, you can't predict baseball, Susan. But I, I love this story. I think it's great. Kudos to him. I hope he gave one of them to a like a kid. Yeah, one of the other one thousand nine hundred fans there. Yeah, that would have been nice. Me outside for the beast of the week. Who did the All most right. beastly thing in sports this week? For I'm you? Ready for this one? So it didn't happen this week, but I met him this week. Uh, Jaguars seventh round draft pick Derek Parrish out of Houston. Uh, edge rusher through college, but he's undersized, so he is slated to be a fullback. In the National Football League, John, this guy screams future strength and conditioning coach. And when I tell you this story, uh, yeah, you're going to agree with me full heartedly because he won back in Houston last summer their offensive versus defensive line steak eating contest. I like that. He ate 112 ounces of steak, the equivalent Uh of seven pounds. Mm -hmm. He then on his drive home from the facility decided he wanted some Krispy Kreme to wash it down. When I spoke with him Friday, he also revealed that he has won not one, but two hot dog contests in his hometown of Houston in his local neighborhood grocery stores. We're Little. talking about a legit competitive eater here. Yes. I said to him, I was like, Joey Chestnut, look out. And he goes, oh, no, he eats like 60. He's like, I just had like 12. 12 hot dogs a- in like 20 minutes? Yeah. That's that's a lot. I did a hot dog eating contest on air one time. I won. I beat your boy, Andrew Badillo, and it was disgusting, and I could never do it again. I ate a two-pound taco on air once, too, in 13 minutes. That was that was. I did a Taco Bell challenge in the fall, and that's probably why I now have to be on a diet for wedding season this summer. That's fair. That's Who's fair. your beast of the week, John? Uh, I like that. I'll, I'll give you I'll, – I'll, I'll let you bend the rules for that one. Uh, my beast of the week 
Pat Williams and the Orlando Dreamers ownership group. Now, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, allow me to indulge. You have the floor. Uh, so uh, back in 2019, Pat Williams, for those who don't know who Pat Williams is, he's the man that brought the Orlando Magic to existence. And he was the one who got them in the lottery. He was their good luck charm for back-to-back number one overall picks where they had Shaq and Penny Hardaway. Great. This guy's a legend in that area. He's also a huge baseball fan. And before he dies, he wants it to be his lifelong mission accomplished statement to be able to say he brought not just the magic there, but also a professional baseball team and not just a professional baseball team, a major league baseball team to Orlando. Okay. That's nice and all right. They revealed their name back in 2019 to be the Orlando dreamers. There was a lot left to be desired. And basically it was like, we're going to sign up a website where you can sign up for season tickets to prove that we can bring a major league baseball expansion team here. Problem with this is major league baseball is trying to expand. Major League Baseball already has two teams in Florida, and they are two of the lowest drawing teams in all the league. So the market for a third team is not super great. The Orlando Dreamers ownership group unveils after three years of work this past week this stadium concept design. Rendering season. Rendering season. For a stadium that would be based off I Drive near Aquatica and SeaWorld and I-4 over there. It would have a whole entertainment complex attached to it. And they are hell-bent on being an expansion expansion team, though they said they'd be open to the Rays moving. Me, I call them the Beast of the Week because this is so ambitious. And I, I give them credit for dreaming big. It looks beautiful. But they want to fund this $1.7 billion stadium project with publicly funded taxpayer dollars. That ain't going to happen. Number two, have you ever been to Orlando, Florida? If you haven't been to Orlando, Florida, let me tell you something. I-4 is the third ring of hell. Yes. And putting a stadium off of I-4 and International Drive, which is right near Universal as well, who, by the way, is building another theme park, Epic Universe, it would be a disaster of hellacious proportions. This is dead in the water. It's not going to happen. The only way this would happen would be if the Rays ended up moving to Orlando. That's the only way. There's no way Major League Baseball will grant Florida another Major League Baseball team, an expansion team. There are so many other cities that have far more logistical fluidity than the city of Orlando has. Nashville, Raleigh, Charlotte, There are other places, Montreal, Orlando doesn't even crack the top five for me. My thing is just that. Dream big, right? Hey, Mickey Mouse said to dream, and he does live in Orlando. So my thing is that in Jacksonville, they are potentially looking for taxpayers to pay $600 million for a renovated stadium for a team that went to a two, two playoff games last year. So at the very least, and you know they have a coach and you know they have a quarterback, and you would think the owner is committed because they've built so much around the stadium. That's because the con money is going towards AEW. That's right. Why. I know. I said that to somebody. I'm like, look, the other option is Shad and Tony build the stadium on their own and they own it. And then guess what? When you want to play Florida, Georgia, Tony's going to say, no, we have AEW Dynamite that weekend. <laughs> we cannot have Florida, Georgia. So, um, but no, to that point, I mean, I understand Jacksonville is about a third of the size of Orlando, 
but 600 million for, you know, a franchise that has already existed in your city versus how much was that for the dreamers? 1.7 billion for the whole complex for a team that we don't even know exactly what's going to shake out. Well, and then here's the other thing. Who's the owner? There's no ownership. What's Pat Williams then? It would be part of the group to attract an ownership group. It's the group that it, it's, it is the tangible equivalent of you miss 100% of the shots. You don't take Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. That is, that is the tangible equivalent of that. The Orlando dreamers presented by blank presented by Pat Williams. We need to end the show on that. And that's how we end the show, my friends. This has been Out of Bounds. We hope you join us next week right here. And uh, we will see you next time on Know Your News. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I click the subscribe button. You really should, too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.